All right. I was reading this news story about a 19-year-old woman from Florida in 2016, and she wanted to uh, get some revenge on her ex-boyfriend. And so she thought that the best course of action was going to be to set his car on fire. Well, she had one small problem with her plan, aside from you know the problem of setting her ex-boyfriend's car on fire. Um, the car that she did find and lit on fire was not her ex-boyfriend's car. Um, belonged to somebody else. I don't know how that could have happened. Maybe she just... It looked like the car. She ended up being arrested. There's video on it. You can search it on uh, Google or something and find it. It's a little six-minute video or six-second video of her lighting the trunk on fire. <laughs> Felt pretty bad. What has to happen to somebody to get to that point in their lives to think that that's the that's the route we need to go? We need to set this guy's car on fire. I mean, as I was thinking about it, I wondered how much just anger and bitterness she had let build up inside of her to do this. How, how far had that gotten for her to think that that was the right move to do? For the last few months, we've been on a journey looking through a number of different trials that Christians face throughout their lives. And we're nearing the end of this series, and I know some people are like, yes. And, and the next one's going to be on hope, so we have something to look forward to. Um, but we still got this sermon and one next week. And this week we're going to be looking at the trial of resentment. The trial of resentment. Resentment is the bitterness or the anger at having been treated unfairly or even simply perceiving that you've been treated unfairly. So it seems to come from when you're either wronged or you think that you've been wronged, and as a result, you keep some bitterness inside of you. You get angry toward a person or toward a situation that you think wronged you. According to one source, it's WebMD, it's on the internet, so it's got to be true, this can manifest itself in a number of ways, continually having negative feelings like anger, frustration, hostility, bitterness. It's not being able to stop thinking about the event or the person that caused your resentment. It's having a tense relationship. It's the inability to let go of anger. And there's even more. I wonder if anybody here has dealt with resentment in their lives. Have you ever felt like you've been treated unfairly, that somebody has wronged or insulted or even hurt you? I mean, I know I have. I'm assuming that there are a few of you, maybe a little bit more than a few, that have as well. Then I ask, how have you dealt with it in your lives? How have you dealt with it? Are you holding on to that resentment? Have you held on to it until it gets to a boiling point? Maybe you didn't try to set your significant other's car on fire, but have you released the anger, the bitterness that you have felt against someone in other ways? Well, no matter what you've done, I want to go to Scripture, as we always do when we look at these, and I want to see, I want to look at a story in the Bible to see how people in the same family dealt with this trial of resentment. These were brothers, they were the 12 sons of Jacob, 10 of whom gave in to their resentment, and then one, Joseph, who did not. 
So if you have your Bibles, if you want to open them to Genesis chapter 37, that's where we're going to be camping out in the last part of Genesis here. And we want to look at this family's encounter with resentment. We want to start by looking at Joseph's brothers. Genesis 37 verses 3 through 4 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, if I were to ask the parents in the room, which of your kids did you love more than any of the others? I'm sure if you only have one kid here, you're going to be like, this one. No. The answer that I would really expect to hear is like, I love them all equally. That's, that's what my parents would say, I'm sure. That's probably what they're saying out in the foyer right now. Love them all equally. Um, but they're just different. You know, I love them equally, but different. Well, that's not how Jacob answered this question, though. He's also known as Israel. Jacob is said to love Joseph more than any of his sons, and it didn't seem like he was really trying to hide that fact since he made Joseph this amazing technicolor dream coat or something like that. And because Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other brothers and he didn't hide it, Joseph's brothers got jealous of him and, and hated him. And you can see that they resented the fact that Jacob made his love for Joseph known in such a public way. You can just kind of feel it there in verse 4 where it says that they hated him. They couldn't speak a kind word to him. They had let this resentment build up, and, and it's starting to come out in how they are treating Joseph with their words. But soon it's going to move from words to action. Because you see right at this next part, Joseph has this dream. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. So in Joseph's dream, these sheaves of grain, they represent his brothers that are bowing down to him. Now, as you can imagine, his brothers didn't really take this super well. And, and now it says that they hated him all the more because of this dream. Now, Joseph's not necessarily innocent on this, too. He could have just kept this to himself, probably. Um, but, you know, he decided, ha, ah, guess what you guys are going to be doing? Their resentment, though, continues to build until finally they decide that they need to take action on this. One day, the brothers are working out in, with their flocks in a field, and Jacob sends Joseph out to check on them. And so we read in Genesis 37, verse 17, So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But when they saw him at a distance and before they reached him, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Well, let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. And Reuben said this to rescue him from them and, and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stri uh, stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into a cistern. 
Now the cistern was empty, there was no water in it, and as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed, so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. His brothers had let this resentment fester for so long that they thought killing Joseph was the best thing that they could do. Now, my brother and I, we didn't get along super well when we were younger, but I don't think either of us wanted the other one dead. I mean, well, maybe once or twice, but not all the time. But Joseph's brothers, they decided that this was what needed to happen. Only Reuben was able to save Joseph. Now, we're not certain why Reuben, who was the oldest brother, intervened to save Joseph, but he did have a plan to rescue Joseph later from this deadly fate. So instead of killing him, like he, he was able to talk them out of that, so instead of killing him, they threw him into this cistern, and then they decided, well, let's get something out of this. Let's sell our brother. And so they did. They sold him to these Ishmaelites who were heading down to Egypt. Resentment can come from being wronged or feeling like you've been wronged, which I believe those brothers probably did feel that, especially as... You know, their father was so open about, you know, his love of Joseph over them. Not taking action when they first felt this resentment, though, to overcome it, that led to feeling, this feeling growing and, and growing until they made this incredibly poor decisions to wanting to murder their brother and then to ending up selling him into slavery instead. I'm sure you've not had resentment go to the point where you want to kill or trade your own brother or sister into slavery, but we do need to let this be a warning to us that that should resentment rear its head in our lives, we need to deal with it before we let it get it out of control. Now, that's one side of the story, but what about Joseph? He was just sold into slavery by his brothers, his own flesh and blood, just like Judah had said. He's about to go on this roller coaster of a life where he could experience his own feelings of resentfulness. So let's see how he deals with it. Let's look a little bit at his story. So Joseph was sold by the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt to the captain of Pharaoh's guard who put him into work in his house. His name was Potiphar. Joseph ended up working hard. He was blessed by God to the point where Potiphar put him in charge of the whole household. Everything is going swimmingly until Potiphar's wife starts to take notice of Joseph. She began to unsuccessfully try to get Joseph to sleep with her, but he would refuse her every time. And so let's read what happens in Genesis 39, 11. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside, was inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. 
When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and he had run out of the house, she called her household servants, look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought here to make, been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story, that Hebrew slave, you brought us, came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. And Joseph's master found, or took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph does the right thing here, but then he's wrongfully accused of something that he didn't do, and then he gets thrown into prison. Now, if that's me, I'm probably not going to feel super great about that. I'm probably going to start feeling a little bit of resentment because things just keep seeming to get worse. And it's probable that my resentment's going to go up, not out. Like, I'm, my resentment's going to go up toward God at some point. Like, why are you letting this happen to me? I think in our most human moments, it's easy to feel that tinge of resentment, not just to the people that are doing this to you, but also toward God. Joseph didn't seem to do that. In fact, God was with him in the prison just like he was in Potiphar's house, and the warden of the prison gave him the responsibility inside the prison over the other prisoners. Now, there's one other opportunity here for Joseph to feel a little resentful of his circumstances. See, Pharaoh, he gets angry with two of his uh, officials. There's his cupbearer, who's the guy who would test Pharaoh's food to ensure it wasn't poisoned. That doesn't seem like a job that you're destined to last in. Then there's the chief baker, and, and then he, he got mad at both of them and threw them both into prison, the same prison where Joseph was being held. Joseph learned that they each had dreams, and he interpreted these dreams for them. Joseph interpreted the baker's dream for him and, and told him that he was going to be killed by Pharaoh which is not probably what the baker wanted to hear, especially after he heard the interpretation for the cupbearer's dream, which was that he was going to be restored to his position. Joseph specifically asked the cupbearer to remember Joseph and to mention him to Pharaoh and to get him out of prison. But as Genesis 40 verse 23 says, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And Joseph remained in that prison for two more years. Now, in the thinking of today's mind, Joseph has every right to be resentful of how he's been treated throughout his life. He had his life threatened by his brothers who eventually sold him into slavery. He was then imprisoned for a crime that he did not commit when Potiphar's wife accused him of taking advantage of her. And he remained in that prison for many years because he was forgotten by the cupbearer after helping the cupbearer interpret his dream. After being released from prison and after a series of events, Joseph became the unlikely second in command of Egypt. When his brothers came to Egypt for grain during the famine, Joseph had every opportunity to take revenge on them, even to lord it over them. And yet he doesn't really do this. 
Joseph used his power in order to have all of his brothers come before him in Egypt, including his youngest brother, Benjamin. But soon after they came, he revealed who he was to them. There's a few things that I think we can learn when it comes to fighting resentment and letting it have control over your life. The first thing is that we need to recognize when resentment appears in your life and then take action on it. And by taking action, I mean praying and asking God to help you with the resentment that you feel. We ask God because God is far better at changing us than we are. So we always need to start there by asking him for help. When you start to feel like you are wronged, whether you have been or you're just perceiving that you've been, and you recognize that you're beginning to dwell on that, then go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to help you with that feeling. That doesn't mean that you can't find or have justice if you were wrong, should uh, should you have been wronged, but what it does mean is that you are putting that into God's hands and not your own. You're simply asking God to take away the thing inside of you that you can't let go, and if you don't let it go, it's just going to fester in there. It's just going to it's going to corrupt you and, and end up taking your attention away from the things that are good and godly. So recognize when you are feeling that and, and pray that God would help you remove that resentment. And if you've already let it get to a point where you're letting it have control over your actions, your thoughts, your relationships, then pray and repent, asking God to forgive you. The second thing we need to do is what Joseph did with his brothers, and that is to forgive. When Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, he immediately told them in Genesis 45, verses 5 through 8, and now do not be distressed, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been, a, a, been famine in the land. For the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Forgiveness is difficult at times. A lot of the times. But it is absolutely necessary if you want to overcome this trial of resentment. We forgive so we can let go of the resentment that we've been holding on to. We forgive because we have been forgiven. Paul writes in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. God's already forgiven you so much. When we remember that, when we bring that to mind, it's easier to forgive, I think. I mean, it's not simple. It's not really easy to do, but it is necessary to forgive those who have wronged you. And in that, you will demonstrate that you are different than this world when you forgive in the way that God forgives. 
and that you are set apart for the kingdom of God. You become way more attractive to people as Christians because they realize that there is something different, that this is not this culture when we forgive the way we have been forgiven. Now, the third and the final thing that you can do is learn to be content. Learn to be content. When your full trust is in God and in his ability to take care of you, when you forgive instead of holding on to resentment, you can be content in whatever outcome happens. Like Paul, who wrote in Philippians four eleven through 13, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul learned to be content as he sat in a jail cell awaiting whatever his outcome would be. And, and he was able to do it because he knew the one who is truly in control. And it's not us. God was in control then. He is still in control now. He strengthened Paul, and he can give you the strength to face anything. So learn to be content, finding peace and rest in the Lord. Don't let resentment take up residence in your heart. Give it over to the Lord, and he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding, like Paul writes in Philippians 4. Pastor Tony Evans from Texas once told a story about two monks says, one day two monks were walking through the countryside. They were on their way to another village to help bring in the crops. As they walked, they spied an old woman sitting at the edge of the river. She was upset because there was no bridge and she could not get across to her on her own. The first monk kindly offered, well, we will carry you across if you like. Thank you, she said gratefully, accepting their help. So the two men joined hands, lifted her between them, and carried her across the river. When they got to the other side, they set her down, and she went on her way. After they had walked another mile or so, the second monk began to complain. Look at my clothes, he said. They are filthy from carrying that woman across the river, and my back still hurts from lifting her. I can feel it getting stiff. The first monk just smiled and nodded his head. A few more miles up the road, the second monk griped again. My back is hurting me so badly, and it's all because we had to carry that silly woman across the river. I cannot go any farther because of the pain. And the first monk looked down at his partner, who's now lying on the ground moaning. Have you wondered why I'm not complaining, he asked. Your back hurt because you're still carrying the woman. But I set her down five miles ago. When resentment comes knocking at your door, you can let it affect you in two ways. You can keep hanging on to it. You can let it eat away inside of you. Or you can set that burden down before the Lord and let him carry it for you. And then you can be content because you can find peace through God's blessing and grace. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, 
Lord, I pray for those who may be feeling that resentment today. Those that are, watch, or that are here today, Father, I just pray that you would help us to come to you with this. To go, before, go on our knees before you. To ask you to take that from us. That you would take that burden. And Father, I would also ask you that you would help us to forgive those people who have wronged us to forgive the way that you have forgiven us. As you say in, as you taught us in the Lord's Prayer, that we forgive as we've been forgiven. Help us to do that. Help us find that contentment as well, Lord, that can only be found in you. Because you are everything. Thank you, Lord. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.